Good morning, everybody. So glad to see you all. My name is Chip Pryor. I'm the Creative Arts Director here at Velocity, if you didn't know that. And I really got to make sure I have notes. I'm not a pro like Rob who does this every week. You know, he can just memorize everything. All right. Got it. Anyway, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope your holiday weekend is going great, spending time with family and friends, maybe the limited number of family or friends. Uh, it's different Thanksgiving than most of us have had on record. But today is the start of Advent. If you don't know what Advent is, that's just what a word that the Christian church uses to celebrate the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. So this is the first Sunday in that season, so welcome to Advent. And you're going to get a Latin lesson today. I don't know if you know, but I'm fluent in, in Latin. So Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which just means coming. It means coming or arrival. So as we celebrate Advent, we're celebrating the arrival, the coming of Jesus to this planet. And we are waiting expectantly for that day. Now, I think something that we all shared as kids I don't think there's any exception to this. You were a kid once, and that time between Thanksgiving and December 25th was excruciating. It lasted forever. The wait was terrible. But I think we all share this as adults, is that the period from Thanksgiving to December 25th is just the opposite of that. It just, like, goes so quickly, and we're so rushed and stressed, and there's so many preparations to to do, and there's so much shopping and it can get really, really hectic, you know. So uh, I thought before we kind of start today that if you have some Christmas shopping to do and if you're an adult and the, the season is just here before you know it, I'm going to give you something that's going to help you. Uh, in terms of your shopping, I'm going to give you a tip that's going to help you be efficient in your shopping. It's also going to be cost effective, okay? So 2020 has kind of hit a lot of our pocketbooks kind of diff- in hard ways, and so this is going to help you a lot. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to make one trip to the thrift store. That's it. So I went to the thrift store this week. I got all of my Christmas shopping done. I did it in one hour, and I spent (laughs) $8.36. Now, if you're balking at the idea of a thrift store, I got to tell you, if you haven't been in one for a while, they're really different than when I was growing up. When I was a teenager, I used to go to a thrift store just to get like a, a leisure suit for a disco party or something like that. But now you can get all sorts of really, really cool things. Uh, so I brought my, my shopping bag, my Christmas gift. So yes, got the Goodwill on here. And I want to show you a couple things that I got. So my daughter is a music lover, so I decided to get her a boom box for Christmas. This isn't any boom box. First of all, it's a cassette player. These are hard to find, and it came with a cassette too. There is nothing like this in the world. This is a one of one. You can't get this on Amazon because someone took the time to paint the, um, the buttons and stick like some like plastic little knobs in there. There's a star, there's some tape, but the best part is the, the red fur that they put all over this. So when you're listening to music, you can pet it like you would, like a, like a house animal or something like that. I think this actually connects to 5G. I think that was this. So, so yeah, so... Daughter is done. Let's see, what else did I get in here? Um, This isn't going to be much of a surprise to my dad. He's watching online right now. But you know when you want to get like a gift bag for somebody, but you go to like the Hallmark store? Is there even Hallmark stores anymore? 
or you go to Target and you get one of those bags and it's like seven bucks for the bag. It's like more than the present. Well, you can get like brand new bags. I think I spent like five cents on this one. Pretty awesome. So it's Christmassy. It says ho, ho, ho. Uh, the only problem is that sometimes it's already been labeled and addressed to somebody else. So luckily for me, this one says to dad from Skip and Jan. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cross off Jan and skip Chip close enough. My dad will probably not even notice. So Merry Christmas in advance, dad. Um, I got this for Rob. Now, Rob, if you don't know, he's a very touchy feely kind of guy. He loves hugs and he loves touching and hands. And so this pandemic has really hit him hard because he just wants to embrace all of you on a Sunday morning. And this little, you know, elbow tap thing is not really working for him. So I thought to protect him and to protect all of you, he could do the knuckle bumps with this thing right here. <laughs> so next week you can knuckle bump him after the service and say that was a great message. And you can do it with a lot of love because there's some padding in here. So that was helpful. Um, I brought a present for you all, well, for one person. Um, it's this thing right here. Do y'all know what this is? There's a mirror on the end of this. Does anyone know what this is? This is a participation trophy, is what this is. Yeah, so I'd like to give this to Herb Henson. Herb Henson, come up. <laughs> Maintain my six feet. Go ahead and grab that. Yes, Herb came to church today. So you get a participation trophy. Congratulations, Herb. Yes. You won. We're all winners here. Um, I didn't get this for me, but my wife got this when we were shopping together. She got me a book. It was only 99 cents. Singing Exercises for Dummies. I don't know what that means. Does that mean I'm like dumb or I can't sing or a little bit of both? Man. Um, I found a book for my youngest son, the Publi Public Relations Kit for Dummies. I'm going to make him feel dumb because in the back of this is a CD-ROM. He doesn't know what the heck this is, or, and it's from 2001, so he's going to try to put this in you know, one of his CD players and get confused. <laughs> Joke's on him. This is a true story, and this happens sometimes when you go to the thrift store, is that... In this book that I paid 99 cents for, there was a $100 bill, a crisp $100 bill. Yeah, someone used it as a bookmark. <laughs> and I got a DVD. I bought this one for myself. Uh, this is a DVD I got for like 69 cents. It's called The Missing. It's Ron Howard. I like Ron Howard and Tommy Lee Jones and Kate Blanchett. So this is exciting. But when I got home, I opened it up. It was... It was missing. That was a good joke, wasn't it? I don't know if you've seen those memes, you know, if 2020 was uh, like a scented candle and it's a bunch of porta potties burning, things like that. I'm thinking, man, I should make a meme like if, if 2020 was a shopping spree, it would kind of look like, like this bag from the Goodwill. Did you ever get a present like one of these? for Christmas, something like that. You know, for 25 days as a kid, you were hoping and praying for the Red Ryder BB gun, and instead you got something like this, right? And this is just a silly example of the feeling that all of us share in this world, is that the feeling of, of disappointment, the feeling of uh, longings that aren't fulfilled. And 
2020 for us, I think all of us have shared in this, this constant disappointment after disappointment, one after another. And I think it's one of the hardest things for humans to deal with, this feeling of disappointment. And perhaps 2020 has, has hit you hard and you're not much in the Christmas spirit. Don't really feel like celebrating, especially with all sorts of restrictions and bad news all over the place. And maybe these three words or phrases describe you. Maybe one of them, maybe all of them. But you're worn out, you're worried, and waiting. You're super worn out, tired, tired of all of this. You're worried, you're filled with panic or anxiety or fear about what's coming next or waiting. That's one of the hardest ones, just waiting, waiting for things to improve, for someone to call with a job offer, for, for something to change in your life or this world's life that will make things different. And there's this great lyric, this great line in the carol, Oh Holy Night. I'm sure you've heard it. The thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. The thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Don't we want that? We want that thrill of hope, that magic of Christmas. And we, we acknowledge that we're all weary. But it kind of begs the question, how do you do that? How do you rejoice in spite of the fact that you're waiting, that you're weary, that you're, that you're worn out, uh, that you're worried? And I believe the, the thrill of hope is at stake here. Uh, so this morning, I'd like to just discuss two things. Uh, one, why it's important for us to celebrate the season of Advent, why it's important for us to celebrate Jesus' arrival. And then I'm going to give you some practical tips on how to do that better, how to do that deeper. And so when we know that the thrill of hope is at stake, I think that's why these things are important. So the first thing, why is it important to celebrate Advent? It's this. We should make a big deal about Jesus' arrival because God made a big deal about Jesus' arrival. We should anticipate and celebrate Jesus' arrival because God made a big deal about that. Another way to put that is that God was fully invested in Jesus' coming. Jesus' arrival, God was fully and completely invested. And so I'm just going to give you four quick examples of how God was fully invested in his son's birth. And this comes from the first two chapters in Luke. So the first thing is that the angel Gabriel announcing his birth to a young teenage girl. Luke 1, 26 to 28 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Another example is that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born to the girl who was a virgin. Luke 1, 29 to 31 says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. See, Jesus was fully God and fully human. And he had taken on this human form. I think it's one of the greatest, not one of, the, the absolute greatest act of humility of all time, that God who created the universe and created the world and created everything that we see, he stoops down and becomes part of his fallen creation. Another example, Jesus' humility in being born in servants' quarters. Luke 2, 6-7, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. 
She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And then another example, a choir of angels praising God to some startled shepherds. Luke 2, 8 to 14, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Man, you can't make this stuff up. If I was crafting a story of how the God of the universe would enter this planet, I would not have chosen any of that. And if I was brilliant enough to think that how he could take on human form, I wouldn't have had him be a helpless baby born in a smelly, unsanitary dwelling for, for servants. And Jesus was born in a turbulent time and in a turbulent part of the world. A little side note here, I've always found it, uh, I guess, fascinating, but that's not a strong enough word, just why God would choose to send his son to a region of the world in a brief, relatively time period of the world where the most excruciating form of execution by a government has ever been invented by humans. Um, I don't think it's uh, by happenstance that he did that. And the Christmas account that we read in in Luke is is vastly different from kind of the far-off cartooned images that we see Uh, Those images of Mary and Joseph and little farm animals and all that kind of stuff. And Luke tells us that a census was ordered. Now, this was a government-mandated census. And basically, it was to keep track of everybody, to inventory the people so that they could tax them for the highest rate possible. And this was not optional. This was not voluntary. There was no exception for very pregnant girls. So Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem to, to register for the census. And it was about a 90-mile journey. So if you can think women who have been pregnant, I can't relate, but I assume it's probably not a great state to be in. Uh, just walk from Richmond to Virginia Beach. That's about 90 miles. And, of course, they had to go over lots of terrain and fearing of robbers and their life. So uh, not a great journey to be on. Um, there's no donkey mentioned in Scripture. I mean, it could have possibly been, but there's not one mentioned in the Bible. So most likely they were, they were walking. How about you? Do you got complaints about the government or politicians? Uh, here's the politics of Jesus' day. There was this monarch named Herod, and Herod, I'm just going to give you a little history on Herod here. He had ten wives, and all of them bore him a son. So you, you had ten successors to the throne. So he had three of those sons killed because he was fearing a, an insurrection. He had uh, one of his wives killed. He had one of his mother-in-laws killed. He killed several of his uncles and cousins. And he once invited a high priest over to his palace, and his henchmen drowned him in his pool. So Herod, great guy, great guy to have in charge. And at the end of his life, Herod, who was diseased, and paranoid, he hears about this Christ child to be born who would one day be king. So 
He orders every male child killed under two in the region of Bethlehem. So Mary and Joseph and the infant Jesus have to flee 200 miles now. So they go from uh, Nazareth to Egypt and remain in hiding as refugees. So that's like walking from Richmond to to Philadelphia with a two-year-old. So you can just kind of imagine the turbulent times that that Jesus walked in. And I tell you all this because I want to remind you that, that Jesus... He is able to empathize with you and me. He is able able to sympathize and empathize with us. And Jesus hasn't experienced anything that we haven't. He wasn't born into or lived in a land of, of happiness and peace and freedom. And he understands completely what we're all going through. And I'm also reminding you of that for another reason. is that God made a big deal about his son's arrival. And God is also making, let's just say he made, I'm kind of quoting, Christmas preparations, if you will, for, for Jesus' coming. And he made quite a fuss over it. And I think that demonstrates a couple things. I think that demonstrates how much God loves Jesus, how much he cares for and loves his son. And I think this is probably the most important thing I'll, I'll say here today. So if you have a smartphone, I would love for you to take a picture of the screen because I think this is... Uh, an application that we all need to hear going into this Advent season. Uh, You are not loved any differently than the way God loves his son. You're not loved any differently than the way God loves his son. It's incredible. Not only does God make a a big deal about Jesus' arrival, uh, even in the world that we live in, most of which doesn't acknowledge Christ as as Savior and Lord, um, they make a big deal about it by spending a month or more uh, in advance prepping for this. Um, Last October, October 23rd to be exact, I had a birthday. And it was kind of a big one. I became half a hundred 50 years old. Yeah, that was my birthday on October 23rd. And on September 23rd, no one decorated their house with lights in honor of my birthday. Not a one brought a birthday tree inside their home. Uh, No one attended multiple parties for me. There was no month of songs on the radio singing about me. On October 22nd, there was no Chip Birthday Eve. On October 23rd, no stores closed down. No one gave presents and received presents and opened presents in my honor. I think you get where I'm going with that, is that even if the world doesn't acknowledge Jesus, you got to say, man, it has interrupted our lives in a good way. And his arrival, his birthday, his life was unique. It was beyond unique. There, there's no one like him. And I believe it's more important for us, probably more than ever, to celebrate Christmas, to celebrate Advent, because the thrill of hope is at stake for all of us. So I want to give you three things that you can do this Advent season, and I believe it will cultivate hope. If you're having a hard time finding that thrill of hope, I think it will help you cultivate that a little bit more. And if you're combating, um, if you need some help combating uh, weariness and worry, and if you're in those, those waiting periods, I think this will really help. 
All right, so the first thing is some Advent activities. Maybe you did this as a kid, and maybe you need to rekindle this as an adult, or if you have kids, you need to do some of these things with your, your family. But Advent activities. And so the first one is a resource that our staff put together. It's an Advent calendar, and so you can go to velocitychurch.info, and there's an Advent calendar. I think it's starting today. Where's Sarah? Is she nodding? Yes, does that start today? It's going to start very soon, maybe today. Go to velocitychurch.info, and it's going to have activity, activities until, until Christmas, things for you to do with yourself or with your family. Uh, some of them are just totally, like, hokey and fun, but some of them are, like, you know, deeper in their meaning. But all of it is to help you experience and celebrate this Advent season. So that's a great resource for you. Uh, the second I'm very excited about, this is a book uh, kind of similar to that, but it just came out this week. It's called Encounter Advent. And it's by someone I just really respect and highly value. Her name is Candace Payne, and she's just a fantastic author. And it's just a fun little book. It just, uh, it's got all sorts of, like, artsy stuff in there and activities for you to do with yourself or your family, lots of reflection. It's just a daily devotional. So I would highly recommend you go wherever you get books to, to pick that up, and that would be a great resource for you. Um, lastly, and I thought I was going to have to spend more time kind of promoting this and talking about this, but we have a Fresh Start toy drive going on right now where people at Velocity are donating uh, toys and Walmart gift cards and things like that to the kids of our Fresh Start mothers. And so I went on velocitychurch.info to kind of get a sense of where we're at with that. And the deadline for that is coming up this next Sunday, the 6th. Um, almost every spot's filled. <laughs> so give yourselves a hand for that. I'm just so proud of our church. Uh, we do have some spots later, Sarah will tell you about that later, but um, that's just an awesome opportunity for you and your uh, family to, to donate to that toy drive and spread some, some Christmas cheer around. And in doing that, when we give, that helps us cultivate that, that's, um, that thrill of hope that we long for. All right, this next one I don't think anyone's going to be too thrilled about, but just hear me out for a little while. I want to challenge you to do a weekly 24-hour digital media fast. A couple of you guys just like left. <laughs> what? So I want to encourage you and challenge you to turn off all digital devices just for a 24-hour period once a week for the next four weeks. Think you all can do that? I know what you're thinking. You know, your kids are not going to be happy about this one. But I want to encourage you to turn off your phones, uh, power down those iPads, unplug the video game systems, like log out from the digital streaming TV, and I think the reason I'm bringing this up, you're like, what does that have to do with Advent or Christmas? I'm, I'm concerned. I love these little devices. I love them. They're so much fun, and they do, they make our lives so much easier. But I'm concerned about the addictive nature of these small little screens and how much time we spend doing this all day. And I'm, I'm concerned that it's making us less and less human. Adults in this country spend, on average, four hours a day looking at these things. And I'm just talking about phones. I'm not talking about all the other digital entertainment. Four hours a day. And college students are spending about nine hours a day right now. And we have record numbers of depression. And these numbers of the hours, they just keep going up and up and up. So, so I'm concerned. And I think a great way to do this is you don't have to break up with your phone completely. But just spend 24 hours once a week doing this for the next four weeks and see what that does to cultivate more the thrill of hope in your life. This is something I've been doing for a while now. I turn it off every Thursday. Every Thursday my phone goes off, and I, it's amazing how bored I get. You know, but I'm saying that in a good way. It's like when I'm bored, my, I think of other things to do, like read or go on a hike or you know, be more present with, with God and with my family and, and kind of with myself, where I just begin to just, just be still 
a little bit more in life. I mean, I'm concerned, these little gadgets, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I'm concerned about um, the lack of productivity. You know, spending that much time, it's just amazing what we don't get done when we spend four plus hours looking at these little screens. I'm concerned about the, the blue light that assaults our eyeballs all day long, and we're doing this late at night, and it's telling our brain to not produce melatonin so we can sleep and more cortisol thinking we're awake. That's, I don't want to give you a physiology lesson, but you know, blue light having these assault your eyeballs a day, that, that's not all good. Um, I'm definitely concerned about how we use these devices to, to argue with people on social media. Don't, don't do that. That's <laughs> such a lousy way as humans to exchange ideas and information and, and empathize with people. But again, I think the biggest thing that concerns me about these things is that just, again, it, it's a deterrent for us to just be present. And I think if we just put these down in regular intervals, it will really, really help. So be present with, your, with yourself and with your family, with God. And again, if you have kids that, man, it's going to be World War III if I tell them to turn off their PlayStation for 24 hours. But um, you as an adult, you need to be setting examples for your kids in this area. And I think that I'm predicting that if you do this, this is the thing that they're going to remember for years. Remember the time when mom and dad made us power down our things four times during Advent? And they might, have a, they might even be inspired to, to do that with their kids someday. So I, I want to just throw that challenge out there to you and, and see if you'll do that. And, and report back to me uh, the chill you'll feel, the more human you'll feel after you do this for 24 hours. Uh, lastly, I think this will help you cultivate hope during this Advent season. In your preparations, focus on Jesus. What do I mean by that? I mean, if you are baking cookies, if you're singing songs about Santa, if you're hanging socks on a fireplace, putting lights on your house, decorating the tree, if you're putting reindeer antlers on your car with a red nose, what is that? If you do that, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to say to yourself and think to yourself, whatever you're doing, these silly little these traditions that we have, to say, I am doing this to make a fuss over Jesus. Jesus is the most important figure in all of human history, and him coming to this world changes everything, and I'm making a fuss over him. God made a big deal about Jesus' arrival, and I'm going to do the same. I'm going to celebrate him, and I'm going to do these things in his honor because Jesus' arrival is unique, and there's no one like him. I want to close with this. It's a little piece written by Dr. James Allen about 100 years ago in 1926. It's called One Solitary Life. I'm sure many of you have heard it before, uh, but I think every time I read this, I, I read it with, with fresh eyes. And so I'm going to read it, and if, um, if the words are familiar or if they're unfamiliar, I just want to encourage you, maybe close your eyes and, and listen to this, but it kind of talks, uh, I think it articulates how unique Jesus' arrival in his life was. He writes this. Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in an obscure village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30, and then for three years he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never owned a home. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never traveled except in his infancy more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompanies greatness. He had no credentials but himself. 
While he was still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through a mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. His executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, his seamless robe. When he was dead, he was taken down from the cross and laid in a borrowed grave through the courtesy of a friend. Nineteen wide centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of all human progress. I'm well within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever were built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned, put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. You know, unique isn't, a, it's not a strong enough word to describe Jesus. And I, I pray for all of us, I pray that we will, will celebrate and rejoice at the thrill of hope in spite of our, our weariness, our, our worry, and our waiting. And may, may this Advent season that's upon us, uh, may it be our most celebratory one on record uh, as we look to and ponder and focus on this Jesus, the, the only king, the only power, the only ruler, the only authority, the only savior, the only person that matters. Let's pray together. God, your arrival uh, was so unique. We thank you, God, for the care and the love that you extended uh, to your son. And we thank you for how you demonstrated that and how that demonstrates to us how much you love and care for us, that you would send Jesus to this planet to redeem the world. And God, as we go through these next uh, couple weeks as we focus on this, this season of your coming, we pray, God, that we would really experience the thrill of hope, that it wouldn't just be happy Christmas feelings, but God, we would understand that you are the reason that we have hope. Uh, you are the reason that we uh, exist, uh, that all love comes from you. And God, we pray that we would honor you with all that we do, with everything that we say, with everything that we think, that it would bring you glory and honor because you are so worthy of it. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.